0: This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfindley.org. I think back to vacations we took as a family when I was a kid. And some of those memories I'm having trouble recalling. The sights and the sounds, the smells, the experiences. I'm not, not that I'm, you know, getting old or anything. It's just thinking back to those times. It's sometimes difficult. One of the experiences I, I remember pretty clearly is the uh, first time I went to the beach as a, as a little guy. Walking on the hot, powdery sand, just feeling the, the smoothness under my feet. And I moved up toward the, the line of the surf. Where the the sand changed color to dark brown, smooth, and felt the change. I put my feet there, the broken shells, a little bit more uncomfortable than all of the, the hot powder behind me. I stepped into the water, felt the pushing and pulling of the waves. And as I stood there with my feet in that wet sand, I had this, this really strange sensation. Under the soles of my feet, I could feel the granules of sand moving. You know that feeling? Was the waves come in and they go out and the sand erodes from underneath your feet. I was, I, it disoriented me as a little guy. Like, oh, that's weird! I didn't like it at all. And so I moved further into the water, where the sand was loose on the bottom. The water was higher up by my knees, and when I planted my feet there, I sank a little bit into that soft bottom of the ocean. And I thought, well, that's not good. My feet are down in sand." And if you have spend any time in the ocean, you know that every like fifth or sixth wave is a little bit bigger than the others. I didn't know that at the time. And so I'm just, you know, in the water, feeling the, the push and the pull of the waves. And then all of a sudden, a big wave just knocks me down in the water and I get salt water in my eyes and up my nose and in my mouth. And it's awful. And I run screaming back to my parents. That stuck in my memory. That feeling, more so than than falling down in the water, that feeling of instability, of uncertainty, of of feeling the ground move and shift and slide, it really affected me. It's the same kind of feeling I get when I look around the world today. And I, I, I get the same feeling of instability like the ground is moving, like things that were once secure are no longer certain. Things that I thought I could depend on, they're not dependable. And I hear things and I read things and I see things and everything feels like it's in upheaval. Everything feels like it's changing all around us in culture, in the world, there are wars going on. There is conflict between people. There's violence and strife. There is moral ambiguity. There is difficulty all around us. And and where there was once this this sense of confidence, all of that instability can can create avoid where that confidence once was, a, a sense of lack, like, like there's an absence of, of security and confidence, and it's disorienting sometimes. And, and as, as that feeling overwhelms us and affects us, it, it can change our outlook. Sometimes our outlook about the culture. Sometimes it changes our outlook about the the world. Sometimes it changes our outlook so much that that it begins to to shift our worldview. And we need to be reminded about the importance of a strong foundation, of having a place that isn't shifting and moving and, and unstable, of having a place that's firm and solid, that we can put our feet on and, and be reminded of the confidence that we have. This morning, we're beginning a new series called Built on the Rock. And we're going we're to examine a few passages in scripture that, that direct us to build our lives, to build our faith, to build our church in the Lord, to find this, this firm foundation. And to let the Lord support us and sustain us through his power and his might. Today we're gonna to begin in Matthew chapter seven. If you wanna turn your Bibles there, you can read along. Words will be on the screen behind me. If you wanna use the U Version app, you can search the, the Bible app for under events for Parkview Finley and find scripture and sermon notes in the U version app as well. We're gonna be reading this, this story that happens to be the, the end of the Sermon on the Mount. It's uh, a, a sermon of Jesus that he spoke to a gathered crowd on, on a mountainside. And he spoke to them about some pretty important things, about a, a godly attitude that would bring about blessing. He spoke to them about moral issues in the world around them, about, about how they should live their lives, the decisions that they should make, and the faithfulness that would benefit them. And after preaching, he concluded his sermon with this story. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, streams rose, winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice like a foolish man who built his house on sand, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now this, this is a very applicable story for us. And I, and I began with with the context of this story to help us understand that Jesus used this illustration. To guide those who were listening to him speak this sermon. As we read scripture and we come to this Sermon on the Mount, the, this illustration applies to us as, as those who are reading or hearing that same sermon. But this, this illustration also applies to us as we read the, the content of scripture. Because all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. And so it's applicable to us, even though we weren't present, because we're still hearing the word of God and it, it applies to all of the word of God. And it's important for us to learn from these words of Jesus. because he talked about two builders with, with similarities and, and differences. Now these are, these are two men who chose two different locations in, in two different kinds of conditions, two different foundations, and yet they had some similarities. They had the same purpose. They were both building a house. They had the same timeline. They had the the same intentions. These two builders, they represent you and me. They represent us depending on how we respond to the words of Jesus. The wise who listen and do the foolish who hear the words and don't. This second builder. Like a man who didn't bother to do what Jesus said. It was like building a house on sand. And when wind came and, and blew and, and rattled the house, when rains poured down. When the stream waters rose, that house could not stand in the midst of the storm. And it fell with a great crash. Maybe you felt like that second building. Maybe you you know what that experience feels like. To watch the things that you have worked to build fall apart. To watch the family that you've built. Fragment. To watch the things that you've labored to, to gather and collect you destroyed. Maybe you think back in the past and you remember a time in your life when you hit rock bottom and everything was a disaster. And no matter how hard you tried to hold things together, couldn't. You watched helplessly. Things were destroyed. You look back having rebuilt some and you remember the feeling of helplessness there. Maybe you're here this morning and you're hanging on by a thread. And you're right now. Using all of the strength that you have. to hold thing's together. It's just not working. You've been battered by winds blowing back and forth. You've been drenched by the freezing rain coming down in sheets. And even though you thought you were far enough away from the stream, you're watching terrified as those waters continue to rise, getting closer and closer, threatening to destroy what you hold so dear. As we learn from this story, there's a few questions that I think we should ask ourselves. The first question: What what do the rain, the winds, and the rising streams look like for you? What are the, what are the storms in your life? They're shaking your house. What are the difficulties that you encounter on a daily basis? Are they financial troubles? Are you, are you struggling to, to stay afloat with, with inflation and increasing costs? Are you working hard to get out of the red and into the black? And as soon as you feel like you've made that last payment, another big bill comes that you weren't expecting. Are your, are your storms relational struggles? Or are you having, having trouble between you and someone else that you you dearly care for, a family member, a friend, a loved one. And where there was once closeness, there's now conflict. You find yourselves on the opposite side of an issue, maybe political, maybe moral, maybe lifestyle. And while you want so desperately to hold them close, you feel yourselves drifting dramatically farther apart as a wedge is driven between you. Are you having... A moral struggle—is that the storm you're facing? This temptation, that, that even though you know what you should be doing, even though you know the change that needs to be made, you just can't bring yourself to do it. Is your storm wrapped up in your career? Are you fighting with a boss and their unrealistic demands? And even though you try and prove yourself and please them, they just are never happy with what you're doing. Is it a coworker that's continually tearing you down, making life difficult? Is it someone who reports to you? and even though you, you continually try and build them up, they refuse to respect you and listen to you. And everything that you do just makes things worse. Maybe the storm you're facing is it's just so overwhelming because all of the things that you thought were stable. All the things that you put your hope and your confidence in have let you down. There are only a few things in life that are guaranteed. That's the old joke, right? Only two things you can depend on is death and taxes. But there's one thing we can always count on happening. Even when we wish it didn't happen. There will be wind, there will be rain, there will be rising water. In this world, there will be trouble. God causes the rain to fall on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. And while we might hope for a blessed existence with with no problems, we know that in this world, we are going to face storms. We're going to face difficulty. There are, are going to be challenges all the time. Notice in in the story that Jesus told, there, there, there are two men who built two houses in different places, different foundations. One was wise and built on the rock. One was foolish and built on the sand. And what happened to both of them? The wind blew and battered their houses. The rains came down and the streams rose. And each one of them faced this devastating storm. The difference that came was the impact on the house. And that Impact was determined by the foundation that they built on. The writer of Hebrews calls our attention to this same kind of theme. Hebrews is a a powerful, powerful book of the Bible. The author draws believers' attention back to the history of the people of Israel to, to provide examples of faith in Jesus, faith in God and 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 the importance of, of having confidence in Christ and how he supplies for our lives, how he sustains us by his power. The passage we're going to read is in Hebrews chapter 12. And, and right before this passage, the author uh, was talking about Moses on Mount Sinai when he went back up on the mountain to receive the, the Ten Commandments, the second copy. And God gave him a message to give the people that as he went up on the mountain, there was... The mountain was going to shake the the presence of God was going to be there and that none of the Israelites should come near the mountains. None of them should touch it. Not, Not even the animals were allowed near the mountain. He said, if anybody touches the mountain, they will die. And so Moses warned the people and went up on the mountain and experienced God. You know what happened? Some of the Israelites ignored him and they came close to the mountain to see what was going on. And so here's, passage from Hebrews chapter 12. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, as the people of Israel who refused to listen to Moses, this message from God, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth. Now he's promised, once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The word once more indicates The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That's created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and all for our God is a consuming fire. God is delivering kingdom that cannot be shaken. When we build on that rock, that firm foundation, we are building our lives for something greater than the things of this world, something greater than those, those, those shakable, destructible things. We're building our lives for an eternal spiritual kingdom, aligning our lives with the Lord and faithfully devoting ourselves to Him. And as we encounter the storms, we know this with God as our foundation, we can have confidence in this world no matter what we face, no matter what kind of wind batters against, no matter what kind of rain pours down out of the sky, no matter what kind of waters flood the land around us, we can be confident on the house that's built on the rock. So while we consider what the storms look like, the second thing we need to consider as we, as we ap- apply this story to our lives is, is the kind of foundation where we build our house. The first thing we need to do is identify the the current foundation that's under our feet to see whether it's stable, secure, or whether it's going to be inadequate to support the structure of our lives. We need to look for flaws in the foundation that are the telltale signs, cracks that are forming. And when we recognize that our foundation isn't what it needs to be, we need to work to improve that foundation. We need to, to dig down to the rock, pour concrete pylons, and build a support structure with footers that will support the structure of the house that we're building. What I've realized is that any house can have a weak foundation. You drive around town and you see these, these huge, gorgeous houses and you, you look at them and you think, wow, it must be, it must be so nice. To live in a house like that, to have all the room that you could want, a nice landscaped yard, pool in the back, wouldn't that be fantastic? You know what? All of that weight, all of that beautiful display is worthless if the foundation is bad. And while the facade of a house might look incredible, the thing that you need to look at is the foundation because that's where you're going to see the cracks begin to emerge. That's where you're going to see the blocks start to separate. That's where you're going to see where the trouble begins and the foundation that's weak can't support a house no matter how good it looks. So we have to ask ourselves, what kind kind of foundation have we built our lives on? What kind of foundation have you built your life on? Is is the foundation of your life, your career? Have you been living so focused on how you are going to provide for your family? Of advancing? Of accomplishing? Have you, have you become so driven by your work that it's consuming you? Now, each and every one of us, we, we invest our identity in our occupation. It, it, it is a part of who we are. We can't deny that. But when it is the foundation you build your life on, you will discover at some point that foundation will not last. And at the point in which you retire or you lose your job, you will have to then redefine your existence because that career may no longer support the structure of your life. Professional athletes experience this all the time when they have an injury or they come to a point of retirement when they can no longer keep up and they end their their professional career. And then what? They have to discover who they are again. And you see some of them unretire and try to come back and sometimes fail and have to retire all over again. And sometimes they come to devastation and ruin because they have nothing else to live for. And we need to realize the danger of building our lives on a career. Maybe for you, the foundation you, you build on is athletics. You, you have a habit of reliving your glory days of high school or college sports. You live for those memories and still try and keep up with the young guys. And maybe your whole personality is affected by how well your, your team does. Even though you're not there to watch, even though they're, they're playing on a field hours away from you that you might even watch on TV, you might just check the score later, your whole mood is dependent on how well your team does. And your, your family is affected because your team lost. And while it has no other bearing on your life at all, they are suffering because you've built your house on a foundation that's irrelevant it's fun. There's nothing wrong with it. But if it's all you're living for, it can't sustain your life. Maybe, maybe your foundation is the spotlight. And you live for, for recognition. Maybe it's not performance. Maybe it's just job recognition of accomplishing, of being, being thanked and, and acknowledged for, for your, your contribution. And you, and you live for that. You live for people to say, thank you, great job. And it's become this obsession And you've become a perfectionist and you're unhappy with the people around you because they aren't keeping up. Maybe the foundation of your life is social media. And you've discovered that you depend on the affirmation that comes from the way people respond (laughs) to the picture that you post online, the comments that you make about something else. And you've become addicted to the affirmation that comes. Ding. Have you ever tried to put that phone away for a day? Not a way where you can still hear. "Mm, mm, mm, mm." No, turn it off and, and, and don't even look at it for 24 hours. It's a test to see how dependent you've become on that affirmation. And it's, it's a, a difficult thing to do. And many people have built their lives on their influence online, their interactions with people that they may never ever see, but they're living for that. Maybe your your foundation is entertainment. And, and when there's not music or video or TikTok playing a podcast of some kind, you, you don't know what to do. Because you've become so dependent on this constant input. Maybe the foundation you've built your house on is is escape. And you are living for the next moment of relief. Or the substance or the activity that dulls your mind and numbs the pain so you can forget for a little while. And an addiction is growing because reality has become so overwhelming that you are living for that escape. Maybe the foundation of your life is family. Not a bad thing. But when you live for the approval of the the little people that you're raising and your whole world is wrapped up in living vicariously through them and having them like you, That's a foundation that can't sustain the structure that you're building. Maybe you're living for romance. And your spouse, your significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, is making the decisions for you. And before you say or agree, you check with them to see what they want, what will please them. And you've come to a point where you're, unwilling to even say something to them that might disappoint them. Even though there are some things you really need to talk about, you're unwilling to bring it up for fear of how they will respond. Maybe it's the hope of romance that's driving you. And your whole world is wrapped up in finding that person. And you are destroying relationships with friends around you because you have this all-consuming desire to find that person. Maybe the foundation you've built your life on is me, myself, and I. Not me, but you. Maybe, maybe you're so wrapped up in yourself that you can't look beyond your desires, your wants, your needs, your pride. And the people around you, they almost can't even stand to be there because you're so wrapped up in you. That foundation is so important. And while it's a hard question to ask ourselves, it's an important question to ask. Jesus said that the, the foundation of your life will be established by your response to what he says, by the way that you respond to his words. And so the next question we ask is how do we respond to his word? The house on the rock is built by those who say or who hear the words of Jesus. And they do what he says. That's one category. This other category is those who hear the words of Jesus and they don't do what he says. One or the other. You say, well, 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 well. That's, that's pretty polarizing. I, I have, I have some, some room in the middle, I think, to respond. Okay, so you get up in the morning for your devotional time and you read the word of God. And, and mentally, it makes sense to you. And you put your Bible away. And the next day you get your Bible out and you read. And you check off that activity of reading a chapter in the morning and put it away. And it never makes a difference. It never changes anything about you. But it's, it's your habit. It's your process. And it's not a bad one. But while you're hearing the words of Jesus as you're reading, you're not doing a thing about it. Maybe <clears throat> you're reading the word of God. And it's important. It's inspired. It's convicting even. And you read and you say, wow, this is what I want my life to look like. I'm going to do this. I'm going to commit myself to do this and you put your Bible away and you go to work and there's this huge thing that you forgot you had to do and you get wrapped up in it and then, and then you get a call and your schedule's changed and you've got, to, you've got to rapidly change gears. and you get home at night and you think man, I was something important I read this morning. What was that? I got so distracted. I ah. can't remember. Maybe tomorrow when I read. Ah, I'll get back to that thing. And while you feel the conviction, you never get around to doing it. Maybe Maybe you already know the conviction is present and you know that there are changes you need to make in your life. And so your response to God's word is if I don't read it, I won't have to make that change. And so you run from God's word. You, you hide from God's word because you already know the truth. And instead of being confronted with that change, you flee from the conviction that you're already feeling. Now, those are a variety of different responses, but they still fall in two categories, okay? The one category is hear and do, and everything else is hear and don't do. And Jesus says, if we want to have a foundation on the rock, there's one way to do that. We have to hear the words of Jesus and put them into practice. A simple two-step process. Hear the words of Jesus and put them into practice. Now, most of us like to focus on one of those or the other. But they have to go together. There is such value in hearing the words of Jesus. Our lives are shored up, strengthened, reinforced by the continual intake of God's word. We need to hear it. We need to read it. We need to talk about it. We need to think about it. We need to allow it to infuse every aspect of our lives but we also need to do what it says. And as God's word sinks in, we need to put it into practice. That's the definition of wisdom. Not that we would just take in information, but that we would use that information well. That we would live our lives based off of that truth that we receive. That's that's wisdom. we need to hear the words of Jesus and put them into practice. We need to build our lives on the rock. You need to build on the foundation of the word of God don't depend on somebody else's work don't depend on someone else's structure that you're just gonna move into just pay rent you did a great job building on the rock I'd like to rent this place for free if I could there's there's growth that comes through the process of building your own foundation on the rock and you cannot circumvent that process You have to build your own house on the rock. You can't put a second house on your parents' foundation, even though they were faithful believers. You can't count on their obedience to the Lord when it comes time to stand before him. Well, Mom and dad were faithful. They were at church every day. Certainly that means something. Build your own house on your own foundation. Mike reminded me of a story from the book of Nehemiah. Uh, The people of Israel had been, had been, Taken captive, removed from Jerusalem, and Nehemiah was bringing them back to rebuild the city, rebuild the wall. It's a powerful story, one of the stories I love from the Old Testament. And there's a, a thing that happened as Nehemiah brought them back to build. He placed people along the wall to rebuild it. You know where he placed them? He placed them on the wall that was directly outside of where their house was located in the city. And he said, You build here, you build here, you build here. You know why he did that? Because the work. What they did was careful, diligent, excellent work. Their families' lives depended on the work they did on that wall. Their houses, everything that they owned, everything they held dear in the world depended on the quality of the wall that they were building when they moved back into the city. And you better believe that they were careful about building that wall. When you build, you, the place where you build matters and the way that you build matters. And you need to consider the quality, the structure, and the diligence that you use to build on the rock because your family depends on the way that you're building and the place where you're building and the foundation of the thing that you're building there because your life. Your faith, your relationship with Jesus matters to them. And if your house crumbles and falls because it's not built on the right foundation, you know who's going to be impacted by that? They are. They're going to experience the consequences that you experience. You are going to be hurting them when you aren't taking care of your relationship with the Lord. And it's important for each and every one of us to see the value protecting the people that we are in relationship with. By building our lives on that foundation on the rock. So each and every one of us need to build our house on the rock. The story is recorded in Matthew and in Luke. And, and Luke says about this wise builder, not just that he built his foundation on the rock, but he dug deep and laid his foundation on the rock. And that house that's built on the rock, it stood against the storm. But the storm still came. Those difficulties were still experienced, but they weren't quite as devastating. They were still hurt, there was still pain. But what would have once destroyed that house just rattles the windows a little bit. Hope remains because the house is built on the rock. It's important for us. To hear the words of Jesus, put them into practice, and build our lives on him. The book of James reinforces this idea. This is a brother of Jesus writing. Here's what he says. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like someone who looks in his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and he continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they'll be blessed in what they do. You know, I was a kid on the beach, my family for vacation. One of the things we did is we built some sandcastles. My dad showed me how to get a bucket of sand and to, you know, plop it down on the beach. And when you do that, what happens to the sand? It just makes a pile of sand. You say, I know, here, get some sand and put water in it. Not a lot of water, just make it damp so it packs. And you put that bucket of sand on the beach, and what happens? It, it holds its shape. And as the sun dries it, it, it retains the structure and becomes a little bit brittle and hard on the outside, enough so that it holds the shape and can support the weight of other buckets of sand. And that's how you begin building a sandcastle. You ever watch kids building sandcastles on the beach, shaping the sand, molding, and making this beautiful creation of their own. You know what happens to that sandcastle when the tide comes in? It's, it's just eroded by the water, washed out to sea, and not not... Gently, either. It is a dramatic, devastating thing. And they all look with sadness as their, their their creation is destroyed by the waves. You know what they do? They grab a bucket and they start over. And they start building another sandcastle. You know what's going to happen to that sandcastle? The same thing. Sometimes... When the house we build is destroyed, we build it again in the same place on the same thing. Even though our experience proves to us that that foundation can't support and sustain the structure that we're building on it. We just do it again, hoping for a different result. And we find ourselves devastated, disappointed over and over again. Until we're willing to change. Until we're willing to build our house on the rock. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for the confrontation that comes as we encounter the words of Jesus. We thank you for the conviction that rests in our hearts. God, I pray that you would, you would motivate us to act on that. That you would, you would inspire us to do the things that we hear from your word. God, I thank you for the work that you do in each of our lives. I thank you for the way that you care for us, even when we're watching our houses crumble. Thank you for helping us rebuild and providing for us a rock on which we can build a firm foundation to support us and sustain us through every storm of life, through every struggle we might face. Thank you for restoring our confidence as we depend on you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.